Hello and welcome to the Sounds of Salisbury podcast. I've checked and my name is Alex. <laughs> and I'm still Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> and we're here to bring you the sounds of the Salisbury music scene. And the voices of the community. So what, may I ask, have we got lined up for today's show? Well, I was actually going to ask you how you came up with the theme, because this week's all on you. Really? Yes. Oh, dear. It's amazing what you forget nowadays, isn't it? Because <laughs> we're getting old! So today's podcast, the theme is animals. Um, and it's been, definitely been inspired by our musical guest, uh, somebody who has... Uh, supported the Sounds of Salisbury, especially the Facebook page, um, as always uh, uh, commented or sent us new music to listen to, to give feedback on and promote. Um, and it's we always kind of wanted to get them onto the podcast when we've been doing them, but never really found the opportunity. So it's brilliant to be able to get them on for for this one because they have new music out and some awesome stellar gigs coming up so that is uh, adam from mighty magic animal so we thank him for today's theme yes so then i had my guest and in salisbury if you're going to go animal theme or animals where would you go I mean, it's a no-brainer, really. You go to the Riverborne Community Farm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I caught up with uh, Sarah Jane, who likes to call herself Sage, as in the hub, and here's a little snippet from the pair of them. Very much a product of that 90s grunge sound. Pies, we really want it. Someone who makes good pies. Sometimes this editing of podcasts is really quite difficult because you'll get someone really interesting with so much to say, like Adam from Mighty Magic Animal. You guys spoke for 45 minutes and arguably every second of that was podcast worthy. So I didn't envy you having to chop that down so that our listeners were not having to listen to an amazingly long podcast yeah it was a wonderful chat like I said we've been trying to kind of just have the ability to chat for quite some time so there was a lot to talk about and a, and a lot to deliver to the listeners who might not have heard of Mighty Magic Animal before so it was really really great and Adam's really knowledgeable about the Salisbury music scene, had a lot to say about lots of different things, but we needed to, you know, I, I wanted to concentrate on on him and the band. And uh, so the first thing I said to him, as you would, if you wanted to know more about it, was how did the band get together? Well, let's find out. I'll give you the short version. I mean, we, we used to be in a band when we were about 17, 18. And bearing in mind, we're now 45 and 47 uh, this year. Um, called Concrete Socks and Concrete Fuzz that played in Salisbury back when we had the, the Hobbit and the Gallery. So many, many years ago. Uh, and then Rich went around traveling around the world. I went off and did my thing for a little while. And out of the blue, Rich was coming back to living in the area and said, oh, um, 
do you want to do something? Do you want to do uh, a band or something? And originally we were going to be an acoustic sort of setup. Um, and I've always continued recording music at home and things like that. So I had a couple of louder songs. I said, well, you know, White Stripes have done this, so why can't we give it a go as a two-piece? And obviously when you're a bit older, you don't see your friends as much and having only two people in the band has been <laughs> quite a blessing really because it's less less um, to organise really. It's just, oh, can you do this gig, yes or no? Um, and, and you only got to ask one other person. So it's yeah, it's been going since. So we're actually coming up to our 10th year in this in December this year will be our 10th year as um, a two-piece band. So 10 years, I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. When I look on... Uh, Spotify, I can see that your first release on Spotify was uh, in 2010 with the single uh, Might. But you guys have been releasing a lot of other stuff using things like Bandcamp. So how much, how much, um, how much music and material is there out there? I, I'm trying to. I, do you know what? We lose track ourselves. We haven't recorded a lot of music, um, due, you know, really due to the costs. A lot of the gigs that we've been doing over the years have just been gigs that we've been added to because we've known someone or something like that. So they've not always been paying gigs. Um, and we didn't start recording. I'm trying to think when we started recording. I started trying to record us myself because I've got a little bit of a recording studio sort of set up. Um, but that wasn't very successful because my my skill in mixing drums was was really lacking. So we decided to record. We found a place in Southampton called Untapped Talent Studios. And they did a really reasonable day rate. So when we record, we literally record everything in one day, which is a bit bonkers, really, because if we if we're doing three songs, that's a lot to do in one day and, and try and get a, a decent recording out of it. Um, but we, I think we've got in total probably about 20-odd songs um, recorded over the years. And some of those we don't play anymore. Some of them we sort of keep on the back bench of um, the, the subs bench of the um, set list. Um, and I constantly um, write stuff. I'm always sort of doing something, uh, whether it's for Mighty Magic Animal or, or other projects. So there's little bits and pieces that we've sort of jammed out in practices but not quite got into the set list yet uh, so you mentioned um white stripes there and uh, the only other sort of uh two-piece band that i could think of other than the white stripes was uh royal blood um and i kind of liken your music to, to to both of them but there's a a really nice punk grunge throwback to your music as well how do you if you had to if you had to kind of just try and describe I know it's really difficult but if you had to kind of try and describe the, the sound or even or potentially even like the influences it's probably better so from a from the perspective of of your music what are the influences well I suppose the easiest way is to sort of is name check bands really I mean Rich and I are very much a product of that 90s grunge sound. We were both into that sort of music. So, But on the other side, I was into uh, I was introduced to a lot of Sonic Youth and Fugazi and Dinosaur Jr., which we hope sort of bleeds into our music a little bit without us aping it too much. We're trying to sort of create our own sound from those influences. But, um, yeah, a lot of those sort of bands, like the Jesus Lizard as well is another one that I quite like. And... Um, I'm trying to think not not a huge amount of English punk music I guess um, although there are elements of that 
But it's really difficult when when you talk about influences music, because you know it's, it seems a silly answer, but everything you've ever listened to influences you in some way. You either go with that or you don't go with that. But things bleed in. I mean. I, I was never a big fan of Blondie. I like a lot of Blondie's music, but there was a specific part in um, our new single, uh, Come Away, where I was saying to Rich, I said, oh, I really like that sort of sound that Blondie, Blondie had when they used to do the, the, the sort of fill right around the drum kit. So you get a real sort of spatial awareness of the drum kit as it comes around. And so it's like little bits that we'll just throw in and we've got no sort of um, snobbery about music. So it's it's just what works for us, really. Uh but yeah, I think those main bands are yeah quite apparent in our music. Definitely, there's definitely a um, the vibe and the sound is there without, like you said, you know, coming coming across as as too influential. You've taken your own spin on those sounds, but you you give a nod to them, which I think is wonderful. I think you know that's that's how how it should be. You, it's your own unique sound, but you you're saying you know thank you to the to the bands that you've listened and influenced you the most. I mean, obviously, in the dynamic of only having two people in the band, you have to sort of deconstruct that sound to a certain extent because I can't. You know, we don't have a bassist, we don't have a second guitarist, so there's not solos, there's not bass lines that are underpinning songs whilst the guitar does a sort of minimal sounds and things like that over it and plus <laughs> it's very much skills based because I find it quite hard to sing and play the guitar and do you know all these different sort of pedal changes but yeah we've, we don't have expensive equipment so you know trying to get those sounds I'm always you know Rich gets frustrated because I'm sort of fiddling with my pedals all the time trying to get this the right sort of crunch or the right sort of fuzz and we do have I do have the classic sort of big muff pedal which is a fuzz you know fuzz pedal which famously you know Billy Corgan used and um, so of famous musicians from that time use um, like mud honey and things like that so yeah it's, it's just trying trying to get our songs in there but with our, with our take on that sound really so you alluded to some new music a minute ago uh, and you have just released a new three song uh, EP called Pseudo Beings tell us a little bit about your release um, yeah, Pseudo Beans um, is uh, three songs. It was actually originally four songs, but when we recorded, we decided to drop um, one of them uh, due to well, just feeling it didn't quite work in the recording. Um, but yeah, Pseudo, Pseudo Beans, uh, it's a bit of a weird phrase. I think it is used occasionally in psycho psychology, but... The reason I called it that with pseudo beings is about social masking, basically people pretending to be something that they're not because they're either too anxious or worried about how they present really. So they hide that by trying to be, um, quote, uh, unquote, normal sort of thing. Um, and I suppose these lyrics are quite personal in a sense. I went, you know, they're about relationships and toxicity in relationships sometimes and being able to get through those uh, elements um, and moving on through through those. Uh, we, I don't really tend to write really abstract lyrics. There's a couple of our songs where the lyrics don't make much sense. Um but yeah, I prefer people to be able to understand what the song is about if they are <laughs> those people would pick those out. I listened to uh, to the EP earlier today, and I have to say, I mean, I like all three of the songs, uh, but "Come Away" 
I really loved that. Really, really loved it. Just, it's it's just got a really nice, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, a really nice uh, vibe and punky feel to it. Which, and well, I do, and I do feel as well that that is a sound that is definitely resonating throughout Salisbury at the moment, the Salisbury music scene. There's a lot of 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 punk influence through. The, the Salisbury scene, and I know it's a, it's a it's a you know a, a, a small part of 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 the, of the influence of your music, but it's definitely something that's that's out there. Um, I'm not quite sure why suddenly it's all just you know that seems to be the the, the flavour of the month or or whatever. But uh, it's great to hear. It's great to hear so many so many acts, including yourselves, out there providing that sound for us. Um, and speaking of being out there and providing that sound for us uh, and you mentioned about doing some gigs um, I see you have quite a cool one coming up on the uh, 2nd of March uh, yeah um, we've been uh, well, obviously when we release music we try and sort of send it around to as many people as, as we can find that might play it and, and we got in contact with a guy called Ian It works on Glastonbury FM and he very kindly, who's probably going back about six years ago, played one of our songs, I think it was Guts, on his radio show. Uh, and we've kept in contact since. Now, they, they do very similar to what Colin does in Salisbury and does Salisbury Live. And they have about four venues and they get bands from all over. And it's you buy a ticket and you can walk between all the, all the venues. So very, very similar sort of um, thing to Salisbury Live. Um, but in Glastonbury and we're playing the Rifleman's Arms on uh, Saturday March 2nd I think we're on quite early because there's loads of bands on that night so we're on about 6.15 I think we've got a quick sound check and then straight on and then we've got a couple of gigs we've got we're in Bath on the 9th of March at the Bell which is quite a nice you know lovely venue that is um, and then we're back in Salisbury on the 22nd at the Winnie Gate of March so yeah so yeah always, always nice to get a couple of home gigs in each year so that's not all you'll hear from Adam on this podcast today um, we're going to catch up with him a little bit later on and we talk about a little side project that he's got going he's only been doing for you know 15 20 30 odd years potentially he's been doing it for a long time but it's well worth the wait well I can't wait for that I'm looking forward to it but I think uh, before that we have to address the elephant in the room animals all the way so what is your top 10 this week Alex I'm intrigued Uh, if, if listeners don't know when we do these top 10s I have literally no idea what Alex is going to say so isn't it. that just like all of the time? Well, <laughs> it can't read your mind. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. I'm, I'm surprised people haven't been writing in or commenting saying, why on earth are you letting him do these stupid top tens? Oh, they're my private messages. Don't oh, are they? they? Yeah. <laughs> but you still let me do it anyway. Yeah. How very bizarre. Okay, well. Loving wife. In that case, it's the top ten you've all been waiting for. It's the top ten, my top ten, mighty magic animals. And at number ten, not really sure it's an animal, <laughs> so a really good start. 
but soon as we're close to St. Patrick's Day, I kind of figured it's magic. Leprechauns. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because I really wouldn't class a leprechaun as an animal. But it's magic. Yeah, magic, so yes. I just went animal, with it. no. I just went with it. It's loosey goosey. See? <laughs> animals. At number 10, uh, that was leprechauns. At number 9, the chimera, which is a lion crossed with a snake. That's pretty cool. I've never heard of it. Yep. You've never heard of Chimera? No. Sounds like a cocktail. I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> so at number eight, the centaur. Now this is yes. a man... I know that one. ...crossed with a horse. I know that one because I'm a Sagittarian. Oh, OK. There you go. And that is the... Yeah, that's the, the thing of the Sagittarians. Of the you might have also seen them in Harry Potter. Yes. Since they were there. At number seven, the Cyclops. Oh, one eye. One eye. Again, is that an animal? Because that's isn't that depicting a man with one eye? You are very critical of my top well, ten this week. I was expecting animals. Do not. you know how many like mighty magic animals there are? One. Not many. Oh no, there's two in the band. Even though they're called mighty magic animal. There are two of them. Did you know that? I did know that. <laughs> Good. At number six, and you have to bear with me because this one is slightly difficult to enunciate. The Acrabuamulum. Or Acrabuamelu, sorry. Acrabuamelu. It's probably pronounced that utterly, utterly wrong. But that is a scorpion man. Okay. Yeah, you can probably smell what he's cooking a mile away, but it's all good. <laughs> I didn't get that. I have no idea what that means. Smell <laughs> away. What's that mean? Scorpion man, Scorpion King, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Oh, you cooking? Okay. <laughs> wow. Crowd. And I've had to sit through four hours of WWE today and I still didn't get it. Carry on. Well done, Rhea Ripley. Uh, at number five, you'll be pleased about this one because it's an actual animal. Oh, OK, yeah. finally. Mythical, I just but given hey. you top five. The Griffin. Yes. From the, Harry Potter. From Harry Potter, if you say so. At number four, this is a bit controversial, having it low down as number four Godzilla <laughs> I don't understand why you're laughing <laughs> you are offending people <laughs> with your laughter please just carry on number three and they've already had a top ten it's the dragons Ooh. yeah beautiful creature yep at number two another Harry Potter entry the phoenix. Oh, another beautiful creature. Yep. Yes. Absolutely brilliant. Love I'd phoenix. love one of those. You'd love one of them, would yes, you? Yes, please. Okay. Let's see what we can do. Oh. But I think I'm going to want your number one. Uh, can I Can I take a guess? No. Oh. Not allowed to, because you will spoil the lead up to it. Well, there's only one, surely. And at number one, the national... Animal 
of Scotland. Yes, you heard that correctly. The national animal of Scotland, the unicorn. I was very excited when we went to Scotland and, and I knew that their national animal was the uh, unicorn because I really wanted to see one. I didn't. No. Do you know why? Because they're not real. Because they're not real, which makes a mockery of his top ten, but I don't care because none of those are real. I know, and most of them aren't even animals. Tough crowd. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. That is my top ten mighty magic animals. Okay, so should we go into something more serious now? and head over to the Riverbourne Community Farm. Uh, my first question to Sage was, what is a community farm? And here's what she said. Well, uh, I guess it's it's a farm that's there for the community to get, <laughs> get what they can out of it. Um, I mean, that's a stupid, flippant answer, um, but it pretty much is exactly what it says on the tin. It's um, It was started... Gosh, I think about 14 years ago now, nearly 15 years ago, um, by Ben Parker, who grew up on a farm in the Midlands, actually. Um, And he wasn't very good at school, um, got kicked out, I think, when he was about 15, um, because all he wanted to do was work on his dad's farm. Um, And he absolutely loved that and got a lot out of it and actually ended up going eventually leaving the, the farm and going into education and, in, and then into business, which he did quite well out of. But he always had it that he wanted one day as he got older, and he is getting a bit old now, um, to... Um, I, didn't, I shouldn't have said that out loud. Um, but uh, no, it's, it's, it's fine. Um, that he wanted to start something like this that would benefit other young people who maybe aren't getting as much out of being stuck in a classroom um, and getting as much out of education as they could do. And so to be able to offer something um, that gave them the co- connection to farming and nature, which, you know, we've sort of lost a bit as farms have got bigger and more mechanised over the years, um, and just giving them in- improving confidence and engaging them in education in a different way. Um, so education has always been a huge part about of what Riverbourne's community farms have always been about. Um, but there is the other aspects of it, which is providing this lovely free-to-visit um, farm with lots of animals and a lovely cafe and shop and um, putting on events and family events and music events and craft fairs and other things that we're planning for this year as well um, for the community to enjoy. So it's a community space, it's an education centre and also we provide volunteering opportunities for people. So that's probably a very long-winded answer to your question. So you mentioned volunteering. What can people expect if they sign up to help volunteer? I mean, we don't have as much as we used to have because we used to have um, laying hens who, um, and so people used to volunteer to come and collect eggs and things. So things like that we haven't had for a while. The bird flu kind of knocked that on the head, unfortunately. Um, but we do have people who come in and help us with animal feeding, come in and help us with events. We also we're always looking for um, people who would be confident enough to, to lead um, farm visits to schools who um, come in groups and have farm tours so anyone who is interested in doing that we do all the training and everything that's a super nice little volunteering role um, taking young children around and talking to them about all the animals and farming 
um, on a sort of one-off basis. So that's separate to the education we do on a weekly basis. Um, so that kind of volunteering, yeah. Um, gosh, we do 150 or more uh, school visits each year, uh, and they're all, again they're completely free. Um, our farm leaders are lovely. They so they have little groups of sort of 15 people. Say split a class in half and take two groups around the farm and just talk to them all about farming and our animals. Yeah, what animals do you have there? Um, so, what animals have we got on the farm? So, I'm looking out of my office window. I must admit, I do have a lovely view from here. Um, and we have alpacas, two of those, which we are hoping and think that are both pregnant at the moment. So, spring, I would imagine sort of, I think April, May time, we're hoping for bibbies. Uh, we've also got pygmy, lovely pygmy goats who will eat out of your hand. We've got Stan, the cooney cooney boar, who is our adorable. He's like a big old rhino of a pig. Um, and then we've got another female cooney cooney pig. We also have some miniature donkeys, some beautiful valet black-nosed sheep. They're the ones that have got the really long curly hair and little black knee pads, uh, knee pads and feet and noses, and they're adorable. Uh, we've also got another golden Guernsey goat. We've got a couple of Shetland ponies. Then we've got all the Avery birds, so turkeys, guinea fowl, partridges, canaries, lovebirds, pheasants, uh, well, the other little ones, quail. <laughs> and then, and obviously on top of that, we've also got our small animals, so rabbits, guinea pigs and daigus. I think I've covered it all there. Amazing. Amazing. A great place then to take your, your little kids. Well, one of the things we've always been really proud of, and we've said right from word go, that we always want it to be free to visit. And I think, to be fair, nowadays there are very few places that you can go for free with your family. And I know we're only open at the moment from 10 till 1, um, but, you know, you, you could probably walk around the farmyard in half an hour or an hour and then go and have a cup of coffee and a bit of cake in the cafe. Um, and probably that's enough for most kids. But the fact that it is free, I think, you know, as I say, there's not a lot of places in Salisbury where you can just... You could come every day of the week if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah. And you have a nursery school as well, uh, Giant Steps Day Nursery. Right, well, they're a partner business, so they have space on the farm. But it does, the reason we were very keen to welcome them uh, to the farm was that it very much fits in with our whole education ethos in that we've got practically children on the farm from babies up to 18, 19 here and then also we've got another partner business called Woodstock House who work with young adults with mental health issues mainly but they also um, have some space further up the lane um, so it's education 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 all the way through and that's what we're really proud of and it works brilliantly well yeah perfect yeah I looked at that Woodstock therapeutic community because um, that's also on your website so that's another partner business is it They've got a site further up the lane. They've, it's almost like a little mini version of us. They've got their own animals up there, alpacas, sheep, pigs, goats, donkeys, things like that, and chickens yeah. and stuff. Um, so they are sort of a smaller version of us, but completely self-sufficient. And they're ring-fenced in, in their therapeutic uh, education element rather than just open to the public. Well, I think that works perfectly. Um, the other couple of things I saw on your website, uh, farmer's market... 
oh, actually, that wasn't the website. That was on Facebook. Apologies. Uh, yeah, so you're hoping to bring in a monthly farmer's market. Yeah, and I, I would like to use this as a sort of a, a little bit of a shout-out, actually, because, um, yeah, we've been we've been wanting to um, start a farmer's market here for a long time. It obviously completely fits in with what we do. Um, but we are looking for local food producers um, to come and have a stand on we'd, we'd like to have it on the last sunday of every month uh, we're starting on the 24th of march it's going to be from sort of in the morning nine till 12 set up from eight o'clock but if there are any good local uh, food producers out there who would like a stand we're going to um let them have the stand for free for the first one and it's not going to be much we're not going to charge a lot going forward anyway um but we'd really like the first one to be go out with a bit of a bang and and say, look, this is going to be great because we do think it sort of fits in beautifully with what we do, but we're really keen to hear from any good local food producers. Uh, I've actually got a list here of what we're kind of looking for. So, we, I mean, a good cheese producer, organic fruit and veg. Um, We have got someone to do meat at the moment, but anyone who does fish or smoke fish type products, chutneys, jam, sauces, honey, bread, cakes, sweets and chocolates, pies, we really want someone who makes good pies. Um, uh, flowers, plants, that kind of thing. So if anybody knows anybody who might be interested in having a stall at our first farmer mar- farmer's market and fingers crossed every month going forward, then please do email us. Our email address is on, the, um, on our website. Excellent. Well, we'll put a link to that on our, our website as well so that people can contact you via our website. I'm definitely going to come down for the farmer's market. I, th- I think it's definitely what um, Salisbury needs uh, to keep it local, to have the local farmers and, and give them a place to sell their produce. Uh- <laughs> I see you do other events there as well in the barn. Um, I saw you did some, was it line dancing last summer? That was a line dancing club that came and used the barn. They don't, they, I think they're using somewhere else at the moment because we are hoping at some point to raise enough money to refurbish the barn. We're not quite there yet, but um, then we will be looking to hold a lot more events in there. But we still do, are hoping to put some music events on in there. We'll still have at um, Easter, over the Easter school holidays, we will be doing our annual Easter egg hunt um, find, the, find the pictures of eggs around the farm win a goodie bag um, and obviously we do that the same sort of thing at Halloween as well um, so yeah we have got lots of sort of different things coming up this year yeah. events wise we just need to organise them <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 well I saw I didn't realise at the time um, but you did Christmas wreath making as well Oh, so please do that again this year because I would definitely come along to that. <laughs> and again, that's one of the things that's run by one of our wonderful volunteers and she collects all the stuff and, and uh, does all the sessions for us. That's Penny and she's absolutely fantastic. See, the other thing, if people want to help donate, you've got on your website a donate uh, option and also you can donate when you come in. But you, you've got this thing now, Salisbury Community Lottery. I mean, that's the, that is the Salisbury Community Lottery, but um, they um, chose us as one, or we were allowed to be one of the um, potential charities to um, get a proportion of their takings from that. And if you enter the Salisbury Lottery, which is only pound a week, um, yeah. you can nominate one of the charities on their website to that you're 
a donation or is it not what your your part of your money that you're paying for your ticket will go to that specific charity and we're just one of many very good charities that are on that website but it's just an easy way to you could win 25,000 quid you might not but if you do you're also helping a lot of good charities and and good causes in Salisbury so I would urge anyone to have a go at that I certainly do it I will be because it's a pound a ticket and I said 50p of that goes to your chosen charity then so that's really good to know half of what you're giving is going to the charity really lucky to have a place like that in the community because not only is it just a wonderful place to visit you know it's a very educational place for for children but the things that they're trying to pull forward this year for example the farmers market sounds like a great opportunity for you know local farmers and developers to be able to to you know come into a community and sell their their products i think it's great for the local producers of food but i think it's also great for us as local residents to be able to go along and buy potentially unusual natural homemade products which you know you can go to tesco and you can go to aldi and you can pick up your cheap products but you're not helping your next door neighbor you're not helping the local farmers and you're not getting the quality of food in, in a lot of these places. I'm not saying all of them because I know they promote themselves on, you know, uh, supplying local produce. Um, but it's a it's a great way of us as a community to stand by each other and go along and buy buy their produce. Exactly, and essentially that's what we're trying to do with the podcast is just bring community together whether it's the music community or the community in general and open up avenues for people to be able to say what's going on what they what they do and and help open them up to people that potentially don't know that they're already there so as promised up next is part two of the interview with Adam from Mighty Magic Animal. Um, but here he is talking about a side project that he's been doing for quite some time. Some of you might have heard of it. It's called Fingalbone. And uh, here we go. Uh, Fingalbone is quite a strange project, really. I mean, originally... Uh, and we're going back, uh, I think I was probably about 14. So, yeah, this is 31 years ago. So basically when I started learning guitar, I was taught by Nick Marchant. I was a terrible student. I still am a terrible student. I didn't like doing scales. And he was very much like, you know, you have to learn these scales, you have to do this. But very sort of laid back guy. Um, but as soon as I could play any chords, I just started making up songs. And I had had a friend and we used to do like this fake sort of jazz scat, making up names and things like that. Um, and he actually came up with the name Fingalbone. And we would just make, you know, say, saying silly words and then adding to it and then taking away and things like that. And Fingalbone came out of that. I guess maybe Fingal Glen down in... 
Cornwall. There's a place called Fingal or something. Anyway, so that came, that came about. So from about the age of 14, I would just record little bits. And we actually took a four-track from our school, very naughty, um, and borrowed it, technically borrowed it. We did give it back. Um, and I worked out how to use a four-track. So as soon as I could do that, I was recording. I mean, previously to that, I would have two tape decks and I would record on one tape and play it through that tape deck and then record it into the other. And then I'd have to compensate for tuning through the warping of the tapes. So effectively making making a full track, but things like that. And, and I, I just wrote lots of little ditties and, you know, they started off quite basic. And um, as I learned more chords and taught myself more um, bits and pieces, I would add percussion elements and stuff like that. Uh, and then I had a, a mate at, at school called James and he was teaching himself how to play drums and we, we'd, we'd just go up in his bedroom, which was like an attic room, and drive his parents mad because we would just write music up upstairs. Um, so on Bandcamp, I think our earliest release was Towers and that was us sort of just recording with bits and pieces. And it was actually reviewed in the um, Salisbury Journal by John Maple years ago when he used to do the sound, Sounds of Salisbury was, well, actually was it called Sounds of Salisbury his little bit in I don't know it was something like that in the journal but anyway he, he reviewed it and it was I had little I had little um, samples of kung fu films in it and I had an answer phone message that was left by one of my dad's mates on his phone that made me laugh and, and it was just like a really weird pastiche of stuff um, but very the sort of real sort of middle ground was uh, a real nod to Slint. So I don't know if you know the band Slint, Spiderland album um, and Tweez, um, that sort of post-rock uh, sound. Um, so there's lots of little bits like that. And over the years, it sort of went into sort of ambient dark folk stuff and it was field recordings. Um, and I did quite a few gigs around Bristol and went up to London and things. Um, but yeah, that's that's been on and off, I'm, and I'm still recording now for it. I was hoping to do some gigs this year actually as Fingalbone, so I try and cram that in. Um, I've, I think I've released. Oh, I've got about 21 releases as Fingalbone. Uh, yeah, so it's 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 always been there from a very young age, and it is like my sort of one of my main creative outlets is is through that. I love it. I listened to some of it today, and it's. I mean, I suppose it depends what, which, which tracks you listen to. But I just got some. It was really, really mellow. Um, definitely felt like you'd recorded in a in a field. You could hear the birds, and in the sort of backgrounds, and it was just like, oh man, yeah, this is really, really, really mellow, really cool. So I yeah, look forward to. It. Please let us know it. Um, when you are uh, out performing because we'd definitely be in, uh, be interested in, in coming to, to watch and listen to that that'd be amazing yeah well, interestingly enough that, that music I've never really played it in Salisbury other than shows that I arranged I did one at the Arts Centre and I put a couple of shows on the British Legion yeah because I found I found that there wasn't much of an audience well, well I certainly didn't feel that there was much of an audience for that at the time which is which is strange because obviously there's a lot, you know it's loud bands and we've got you know we have different genres of music but it seems I don't know it seems like um, it's a difficult sell to a pub 
<laughs> yeah, I suppose. You know, if you if you're to certain venues, if you sort of like, it's, it's so sort of chilled out and me- mellow, and you, you sort of you you want an audience like a captive audience, really, because yeah. you've got all those little nuanced sounds in it. Um, but when we did the art sense, we did the white room, which was great. It's got those big windows that face out onto the the uh, grounds of the church. Um, and we had a couple of acts from Bristol down as well, um, some electronic acts, and it, it worked really well, but it was it, I couldn't afford to, to rent the room, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm hoping to put on a, a show in Salisbury at some point. I've got a couple of people in and around Salisbury now that I've hooked up with. Um, there's a guy called Chris Prosser and uh, another guy called Simon Jones. So Simon Jones does vestigials and glass case uh, tarantula. And Chris Prosser has been in, ooh, uh, loads of, I'm trying to think of all the names he's been under. Um, 741 was the most recent electronic one he was doing, I think. Um, but yeah, there's, I suddenly discovered this little underground sort of set of people that were doing this music. So it's, yeah, it's quite encouraging to maybe put on another show. So we can't wait um, to uh, head off to Glastonbury this weekend to go and watch Mighty Magic Animal live at uh, Glastonbury Calling and also catch up with um, good friends of the podcast the brilliant Bottle of Dog as well who are actually performing uh, at the same venue as uh, Mighty Magic Animal so it'd be great to catch up with all of them I can't wait I'm really excited Uh, we are going to leave you now with uh, their new release and if you're a fan of White Stripe and if you're a fan of Green Day I have to say I am of both and I cannot wait to see this live at the weekend Uh, but we'll leave you with their new song Come Away Come Away 